Please take your Bibles and turn together now to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20, as we come back to our series on the Ten Commandments, it's been a few weeks since we've been here together. Uh, Tonight we're taking one more look at the Fourth Commandment. We've spent a little bit more time on this one. It is longer in terms of the text here in Exodus 20. Um, It's sometimes misunderstood or misapplied. Uh, We haven't said everything that could be said about it or answered every question, I'm sure, but uh, tonight we um, consider it one one more time before moving on then to the next commandment and really the second table of the law, Lord willing, um, in the weeks to come. So I'm just going to read verse 8 through 11, um, the the fourth commandment, and then I have two other scripture passages that I want to read after that as well, and I'll tell you what those are as we come to them. So once again, please hear God's word. Exodus 20, beginning at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Keep your finger there and then turn with me to Psalm 119. I'm just going to read verse 9 through 16 of Psalm 119. It might not make complete sense right now exactly why I'm reading this, but Hopefully we'll circle back. We're going to be talking about how uh, this day is a day in which we can delight in the the word of God. So let me read Psalm 119, verse 9 through 16. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And then one final passage, just two verses I want to read from Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14. Isaiah 58, beginning in verse 13. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, And call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. Let's stop and pray together. Father in heaven, we pray that you would avert our eyes from worthless things right now as we've just sung. 
from Psalm 119, and also that you would revive us. We pray that you would give us understanding and faith as we hear your word. We pray that by your spirit, you'd help us to apply it and live it out to your glory. We pray that you would show us Christ and conform us to his image for your glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it has been a few weeks since we were here in Exodus 20 and considering the fourth commandment, but so far we have seen that God calls you to set apart one day of rest, one day each week, based on his example and his design at creation. This permanent moral principle is now practiced on the first day of the week in light of Christ's resurrection. Uh, This day we've seen points back both to creation and redemption, but it also points forward to eternal life and the eternal rest that we have to look forward to. Uh, It's a day of rest for ourselves and others, and it was a tremendous blessing. Think about when this commandment was given. This was a gift to freed slaves who had had no day of rest, Uh, but this is also a gift to us in Christ today as well. We've also seen that this forgotten commandment, as I've referred to it before, is vital for the health and vitality of the church and for Christians, for you and me. And tonight, as we take one last look at it together, we're going to consider the positive purpose of this commandment. Why rest? Why stop? Why set this day apart? Um, How is the day supposed to be spent? Why is it not a burden, but really a delight and a blessing and a gift? I hope that together we'll be able to see that it is a delight, primarily because it's a, a way that we get to delight in God. This is a primary way we get to delight ourselves in the Lord and in his ways. And if this is so, we ought to use this day to its full potential, as best as we can by faith, because we delight in the Lord. We delight in our Creator and our Savior, the one who gave His only Son for us. And so the challenge to each of you tonight is simply to delight in the Lord and to delight in His day. Delight in the Lord and in His day. And brothers and sisters, delight in the Lord's day because you delight in Him And because you want to delight in him more, you want to grow in your love for him. Well, as we consider this, I want to just walk us through four ways that we can seek to do that by faith. And so first of all, delight in the Lord's day by delighting in his worship. Delight in his worship. Look at our text again, beginning at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. This day is to be kept holy, a Sabbath to the Lord. It's set apart to him, directed to him. But how do we do that? How do we keep a holy day of rest to him? Well, we do so first and foremost by worshiping him. The Sabbath day, the Lord's day, is primarily a day of worship. We saw this last time in the the New Testament pattern of the early church gathering together on this day. 
But why not make any other day a day of worship? Or why not all of them? Uh, Where in the fourth commandment does it actually say this is a day for worship? Well, uh, you're right. It doesn't actually say that in the text itself. But think about how the whole Bible calls you again and again to worship God. Worship the Lord over and over again. We're called to praise God. We are made to worship God. God wants our worship. And we've seen that the first four commandments are primarily about worship, our relationship to God, how we're called to love him and worship him, who we're to worship, how we're to worship, and here in the fourth commandment, when primarily, on the day set apart for holy activity and rest. And the the pinnacle of the holy activity we're called to as God's people is public worship uh, together. Leviticus 23 verse 3 highlights this for, for us. It highlights worship as the primary purpose of this day. It says, six days shall work be done, but the seventh is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. The Sabbath is a day of rest to give the opportunity to worship. A day of holy convocation, and that means a day of assembly, a day to be called together, a day to gather. God says this is a day set apart for and special and sacred for gathering and for assembling. But assembling why? Assembling for what? Well, not for a barbecue, not just to hang out, not just to see your friends, but to worship. God saved his people. He brought them out of Egypt in order for them to worship him. And when he spoke through Moses to Pharaoh, he said, Let my people go so that they may serve me, so that they might worship me. God saves his people. He saves you and me to worship him. He, he brings a people out of this world in order to declare his praise. And he gives us a special day, a specific day, on which to give ourselves to that. The other days of the week would be full of work. When God gave this commandment to his people, he knew the other days of the week would be full of work. Work in the fields, work in quarries, work among the herds, toiling to put food on the table. But this day was set apart so that families could lay that aside and come together as the family of God and worship together. Psalm 92 also shows that this is the purpose of the Sabbath. This is a song that was specifically written for the Sabbath, as the title tells us. And that psalm speaks of praising God through the whole day, flourishing in God's house, and shows us it's a day to gather to worship in God's presence. Now, you might be listening and thinking, well, what about the rest of the week? And yes, we are, there's a sense in which we are to worship God every day and in everything that we do, doing all to his glory. Yes, we should worship him every day as individuals, as families. But here is one day set apart for the whole church to be called out of this world, out of their ordinary occupations, to be called together into his presence to worship. Now, we've said this before, but it's easy to view the, 
Ten Commandments as just a list of do nots, just a a list of negative rules. And certainly there are are do nots in the commandments. God does forbid in his law, but he does so for our good, for positive reasons, in order that we might be free to walk in his ways. And in this case, in this commandment, it's so that we might give ourselves to worship, so that we might delight in him. And it should be delightful. We don't use that word a lot, I think, today. But when something's a delight, it is a joy. It's exciting. We look forward to it. It brings pleasure and satisfaction. It's the opposite of something that's boring or dissatisfying. And friends, when we're focused on self, on ourselves, when we're taking our eyes off of God... When we ask, what do I want or how can I be satisfied? What do I delight in? We can easily find God and his worship unsatisfying and burdensome. We can easily hear a commandment like this and and not like the sound of it. And we'll seek delight elsewhere in ourselves and other things. But these do not bring true and deep and lasting delight. The type of delight that we're actually made for. God knows what brings true delight. And he knows that it's him. Ultimately, he is to be the delight of his people. And he is a delight. And so don't waste your life. Don't waste your time. Don't waste this day God has given you. Seeking delight in other things. It doesn't matter what that um, thing might be. We all delight in different things and different pleasures. Um, But... God has called us to delight in him. These other delights that can distract or tempt us are not better than him. They are not more important. They're not more satisfying. These things did not create us. They didn't die for us. They don't give us eternal life. They will not last forever. People of God, delight in God, your creator and redeemer. Delight in his worship on his day. Well, that leads us then tonight to a second way you can delight in the Lord and in his day. And that is this, delight in his word. You can use this day as an opportunity to delight in the word of God. We've said before that the fourth commandment sets our schedule and regulates our time. It gives us set-apart time to prepare for eternity and time to spend with God. It gives us regular, blocked-out, focused time to delight in God's Word. Uh, Psalm 119 talks about delighting in God's Word at least ten times. And the section I read just a few moments ago, uh, we read about delighting in God's Word, and that this is the way we uh, keep our way pure, one of the ways God uh, purifies and sanctifies us. Uh, We read here that God's Word... Uh, that we guard our way with God's word. Uh, We seek the Lord by his word. Uh, We are to store it up in our hearts. We meditate it, meditate on it, and fix our eyes on it. And in verse 14 and 16 of Psalm 119, the psalmist says he delights in it. Now that's all wonderful, but is it realistic? Is it attainable? Uh, How? When? Uh, Well, I would submit to you in large part on the Lord's day. 
by making full use of this day. Certainly we are to give ourselves to the word of God throughout the whole week as we are able. But this is a, a God-given, set-apart time when you, that you simply don't have during the rest of the week. A time to devote yourselves to the word of God and to delight in it. And God gives teachers and preachers and fellow believers to proclaim his word, apply his word on this day as his people gather together before him. The Lord's Day gives you an opportunity, a special, regular, <clears throat> substantial opportunity to learn God's word, to know his word, to delight in it. And you have the special opportunity to do that by hearing his word preached in worship or taught in classes. And I would encourage you not to miss those opportunities. But, but this is not just when the church is open and when God's people are together. We should use the rest of this day as well. Perhaps there are times in this day when we might re reflect on or review and apply the sermon at home or talk about it. Uh, perhaps we could take time on this day to seek to store up God's word in our hearts, as Psalm 119 talks about, to give some time to scripture memory. Uh, we might take time to study or meditate on a particular passage or prepare for an upcoming Bible study or catch up on Bible reading. Uh, these are all ways in which you can grow in God's word and delight in God's word when you have more time to do so. And brothers and sisters, we need this regular feast on God's word. We need this spiritual nourishment. Many of us recently enjoyed the delights of a Thanksgiving dinner. And I've not heard of anyone who does not delight in having such a feast. I've not heard of people complaining about taking a day to prepare and enjoy fellowship and food with family and friends. It's a delight. Well, brothers and sisters, God's word is a delight. Spend his day feasting on it yourself and with others. Delight in him and delight in his day by delighting in his word. Well, that leads us then third to tonight, uh, to delight in his ways. Uh, one of the ways we delight in God's day, the Lord's day, is by delighting in his ways. Uh, listen again to me with, uh, to verse 10. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, <clears throat> your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. This is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord. Uh, this is his day, the Lord's Day. Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And if it's his day, then it follows that we should be about his work and his ways on his day. Already we've seen this means his worship, giving ourselves to his word. But what else? I want you to listen again to Isaiah 58, verse 13. I read this earlier. But it says this, if you call the Sabbath a delight... And the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. 
Now remember, Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man. It is a gift. It's for us. But notice, uh, this is not a day for your own ways. It's not a day for your own pleasures or for your own business. It is for the Lord and his ways. And what's amazing is that when we devote ourselves to the Lord's ways, that is of great benefit to us. That actually gives us spiritual rest and refreshment. Now, what are some of the ways of God that we can give ourselves to on this day? Well, this may be obvious, but one of God's ways we should pursue on this day is prayer. This day gives us a time to devote to prayer we would not normally get. And we get to pray together in worship. But there are other opportunities for prayer as well. Um, this is one of the things the early church devoted themselves to, Acts 2.42. And so we can use this day for prayer. Acts 2 says they also devoted themselves to fellowship. This is a day we can enjoy fellowship as the body of Christ. It's a day when we're not all at work. Uh, we're not all at school. We're not busy at home or at soccer practices or meetings. We have time to devote to one another. Uh, time to devote to see how each other's doing, to edifying conversation, uh, perhaps sharing a meal together or fellowship lunch. It's an opportunity to sharpen and spur one another on. It's also a day you can and you should also take time to rest, uh, physically rest, uh, take a nap or take a walk, get some fresh air, enjoy God's creation, uh, take time to be still and know that he is God, take time that you normally might not get to simply think and pray and get away from noise and distraction and meditate on the Lord. Another way you can use this day uh, in the Lord's ways is for acts of mercy and love. Uh, this is a day where you could uh, visit the sick or visit a widow or care for the needy or perhaps call a friend to encourage them. Uh, this is a day where you could use time for evangelism or discipleship. And we could go on and on, and I want to overwhelm you. It's not that we do all of these things every day and there's not a moment of rest. But I want to give you examples and, and ideas and I want you to see that the rest that we are called to is not a rest of inactivity, but a rest of opportunity. It's not a rest of inactivity, but opportunity. God doesn't want his pilgrims idle on their way to heaven and seeking only their ways. This is not a day just to lounge or to get ready for the grind on Monday morning. It's a day to be given to his ways. Of course, the point is not to be uh, exhausted. It's not to be physically or emotionally or spiritually spent. Um, you should be recharged uh, by this day. You should be ready to serve the Lord in the ways he has for you in the week ahead. Uh, this is a primary means God has given to us to sanctify us as his people, to make us more like Christ and to build his kingdom. But we have to recognize this means and use it by giving up our ways in order to delight in him and walk in his ways. And we need to understand this is not legalism, but it's love, love for God. It's not rote duty, but devotion and delight. It's not mere rules, but it is about a living relationship. 
It's about responding to God's grace. God calls us not to love this world. He calls us to guard our hearts. He calls us to set aside time for the Lord's ways. And, and by doing that, we can guard our hearts. We can keep our hearts fixed on the Lord and not the passing things of this world. Well, we're moving quickly tonight, but that leads us to a fourth and final way to delight in the Lord and in his day. And that is by delighting in his week. Delighting in his week. Look again at verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And then verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The fourth commandment is focused on one day, the Lord's day. But it reminds us that it is the Lord's week. Um, all seven days belong to the Lord. God claims your time and he sets your schedule. And you should delight in this pattern that he's given to you, the rhythm of life that he has set up. Uh, his week of one day of rest and worship and six days of work. I think this starts by calling the first day, calling the Sabbath a delight, as Isaiah 58, 13 says. And as we delight in his day, we'll find delight in serving him throughout the week, getting our work done to his glory. Now, many tend to think of Sunday as just this bonus add-on day on their weekend. It's part of the weekend. But it's actually the week's beginning the first day of a new week that belongs to the Lord. And on this day, God meets with us and, and speaks to us and recharges us and sends us then out into the world to work for him and his glory. But how do we embrace this week? How do we delight in this pattern? Uh, it's so countercultural. Um, it's perhaps counter to how we were raised or how those around us live. Well, first of all, I think we need to trust, simply trust God's plan and his design. Uh, he knows what's best for us. He knows what we need. And we can trust that even if we're swimming against the stream or if we're in unknown waters here, uh, we are where we should be. And this works. God uses this uh, for our rest and refreshment and sanctification and for his glory. We also need to recognize that th this takes time sometimes to learn and implement. Um, it takes adjustment and planning and preparation. Or perhaps if this is not new to us, it takes refocusing and recommitting to this. Think about how you have to carefully plan for a vacation or a big event, uh, how, you, how you might plan for a wedding. You can't very successfully wing one of those or just pull it off and make it happen overnight. It takes preparation and planning. Uh, saving, scheduling, setting aside time and resources. Well, it's the same for God's week. Uh, you have to plan and prepare ahead of time so you can take a day of rest to delight in the Lord and his ways. Uh, you have to pace yourself to get your work done in six days but not be totally spent. And then you can be well rested and, and make the most of the Lord's day and be awake and alert and ready to hear and sing and, and pray ready to love and greet God's people and leave the day refreshed. 
Now, as we, as we think about this and hear this, it, I recognize this can be overwhelming. But think about this. If God is really the God of the universe, uh, if he is creator and Lord and Savior, if he is who he says he is, then he's worth getting ready for. He's worth adjusting our life and our schedules for. And when we begin to live this way and grow in this and perhaps renew our practice, delighting in God's week, delighting in him, delighting in his day, it reminds us why we're here. It helps us with our priorities. We are more easily reminded that life is not all about me. It's not all about the here and the now or material things. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his soul? This is a day for business with God, not business with the world. And the world will not like that at times. They'll want you to do business with them. There are whole industries that thrive on this day because it's become man's day, whether it's food or fashion or, or fitness or football. But you know that th- these things are not what life is all about. Those things can, can take a break for a day. They may be fine on other days in moderation, but your soul needs the bread of heaven. Your soul needs time with the Lord and his people. And so, friends, delight in God's week. Uh, Delight in his day. And I think as you do this, uh, you will find that you actually have more joy. Uh, You have greater freedom. You have more energy and ability to serve the Lord throughout the week. One writer said, if our, love, if our love for the world and the things of the world, sorry, if our love is for the world and the things of the world, of course, any Sabbath observance will prove to be an unwelcome burden. But if the supreme devotion of our life is our love to God, we will welcome the opportunity and privilege of turning aside from ordinary affairs to devote the day to worshiping God and seeking his kingdom and righteousness in a special way. Brothers and sisters, delight in the Lord and in his day by delighting in his week, by delighting in this pattern of work and rest he's given us. It's been said that modern man worships at his work, works at his play, and plays at his worship. But friends, this is not how we are made to live. We are made to work and to rest for the Lord. We are made to worship the Lord in his ways to his glory. And we are made to delight in him. The Bible tells us that God delights in us. Psalm 16 verse 3 is one example of that. God delights in us. He delights in us so much that he gave us his only son to die for us, uh, to save us from our sins, to give us eternal life. The question is, do you and do I delight in him? Do we delight in the God who made us and redeems us? Will you delight in him? If so, will you delight to come to him and worship and thank him and praise him? If so, will you delight in his word Delighting in his word as you might delight in a letter from a loved one. Will you delight in his ways more than in your own and delight in his week and not the world's? I think one of the reasons this is often 
the forgotten commandment is not necessarily theological or intellectual. It's because we have other delights. Our hearts are drawn elsewhere. But friends, the Lord wants your hearts. He knows that you will find true delight in him. And that's what the first four commandments are all about. That is what the law is all about. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Where your heart is, where your delight is, there your treasure will be also. Friends, God and his ways are far better than anything this world can offer. Delight in him. Don't spend your life, your time, your energy for that which is not bread, as Isaiah said, as we heard in our call to worship. Don't labor for that which does not satisfy. Eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Friends, delight yourself in the Lord, the one who gave his only son for you, the one who delights in you. Delight in the Lord and show that and grow in that by delighting in his day. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven.